Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Smart Cities Chronicles podcast. My name is Adam Beck. You know my role as a day job, which is Executive Director of the Smart Cities Council here in Australia and New Zealand, um, but of course, Moonlighting as our host on the Chronicles. Uh, episode 38 today uh, and a second sort of feature uh, interview as part of our Asia Pacific Cities Summit series, which is uh, coming up very quickly around the corner, uh, which is happening 7th to the 10th of July this year in Brisbane. Um, head to apcssummit1s.org for all the relevant information about that event. Um, this interview today uh, is with one of the uh, leading companies that are going to be exhibiting at the summit, APCS Summit, Katrina Donaghy from Civic Ledger. Katrina, thanks for joining us. Oh, good morning, Adam. Thank you so much for having me this morning. Pleasure. Pleasure. Glad you could uh, join us. I just want to... Um, kick off uh, Katrina uh, ask you if you could introduce yourself who are you what do you do our listeners are scattered all over the world oh, um, too. so um, yeah okay what do you well, do <laughs> well my name my name is Katrina Donahue I'm the CEO and co-founder of a of a company here or a global company called Civic Ledger which we're based in Brisbane that's where we were founded uh, we're a technology company. We've been around for nearly three years and we work with some really interesting emerging technology to solve some interesting problems facing cities all around the world. And two areas that we've been working on for the last few years that we have been really quite passionate about is water, uh, where we're actually looking at how do we use emerging technologies such as blockchain technology and Internet of Things and to actually uh, create much more transparency on how we trade water in this country. And another area that we're really quite interested in is intellectual property. How do we digitise intellectual property to monetise those um, intangible assets that sit on companies' um, and balance sheets worldwide? And we're actually looking at how we globalise that data. Okay. It's sort of been quite interesting, which is really interesting for cities, I guess. Yes. Um, interesting is a good word. Uh, interesting is also a word that evokes intrigue and... Um, interpretation and, and this interview will sort of hopefully unpack a little bit about that. Um, just uh, in my intro there, Katrina, I mentioned that um, you guys are going to be part of the, uh, yeah, the, the City Summit. Yeah, what, what, what's, yeah. What, what, well, why and what and, well, and how did I you was get involved? Very, well, I was very lucky. Two years ago I was involved. I went to Daejeon in South Korea to the APCS as part of a panel a panel of women uh, led by Dr. Jane Thomason, who's also from Brisbane, whereby we, uh, we talked about how blockchain technology is going to have relevance for smart cities into the future. So that was an awesome opportunity because we're the only panel uh, outside of the Southeast Queensland Council of Mayors that got to actually speak at Daejeon. And I was really quite inspired by what I heard in, from the other Lord Mayors around the Asia Pacific on just how they are embracing emerging technology to build smarter cities. So when uh, I always, and I know that Brisbane City Council were going to be hosting APCS uh, the next time. So I was very keen to, to be part of it because of what I saw in Daejeon. And I thought, this is a really important platform for for Queenslanders or for Brisbane or even for Australia to step up and come and have a conversation with our Asia counterparts uh, because they haven't been um, 
held back by legacy systems like we have in Australia. Mm. So they've actually been able to leapfrog and solve problems a lot faster. And I think we've got a lot of things to learn from. And I really hope that uh, people who are interested in APCS do come along and, and get down and sit down and talk about how emerging technology is going to be quite important for us as cities going forward. Absolutely. And I mean, even just the South, the Southeast Asia region is just so diverse and rich in both sort of economic opportunity. But as you say, you know, some have legacy sort of issues to deal with. Others are sort of clean slate and can leapfrog. Mm. It's quite a really dynamic region that um, that we can all learn from each other. Um, so, yes, I, I'm thoroughly looking forward to, to, to the conversation that's going to happen at APCS as well. Um, so, so, so let's sort of start, let's start with blockchain kind of 101 a little bit, but <laughs> I, I'm going I'm 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 to ask it in a way um, for you to sort of share the last three years. Oh, the last three years, it's yeah, been yeah, like 10. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what's been this, this arc of the journey with respect to blockchain in Australia? You know, take us back. So let's rewind to three years ago and bring us up to today. You know, what's happened? Have we matured? Um, you know, are we more aware? Are we embracing the opportunity? Give me, mm. give, give me that sort of, you know, back three years up to today and mm. then we'll, then we'll okay. sort of talk about going well, forward. But what are we, where have now, we come? Well, okay, so, it, so go back June 2016. Mm -hmm. June 2016, uh, my co-founder Lucas Cullen and I were just about to have a conversation with the Queensland government around delivering a proof of concept uh, to issue a, a licence of some sort of permit through, through the blockchain technology into a digital wallet to show its, its uh, traceability. And I think about what we've done now in the last three years, it just mind blows me. It's just, just quite extraordinary. Look, where were we three years ago? Oh, look, there was still um, little understanding about this technology. But the interesting thing is that the technology was created in 2008 through the Satoshi Nakamoto white paper, whereby the first concepts of, of these elements started to come together under the concept of Bitcoin. And why that was so important back in 2008 was because the Bitcoin white paper actually solved the problem of digital, of the of, of a digital asset. How do you take something that's digital and ensure that it's not double spend? Because when you think about email, when you think about MP, MP3s and all that way back then, you could actually copy and paste and nobody knew what was the original or who had it first. Mm. So this type of technology started to give us an opportunity to think about how do we take physical things of value and start to give them a digital twin and start using cryptography and different com hard computer uh, solving things to get consensus to ensure that we weren't, that what we had in our hands was what it really was. And I guess it wasn't until around 2014, 2015, when Ethereum, obviously the Bitcoin blockchain, was the very first public blockchain. Then we started to see Ethereum emerge which started to create a cryptocurrency called Ether, that we started to really have a conversation around what is the potential of this technology? Um, and I guess where we are now, if we were to stay the last three years, we've had a couple of milestones. I, say, I would probably say the first milestone 
in Brisbane was a community of people that I was involved with. We had the inaugural blockchain symposium in November 2016. And that was a community that wasn't led by IBM or Accenture or those big guys. It was actually the community coming together and asking to have a conversation because we could see what was happening around the world. Around the same time, Standards Australia was given the opportunity to discuss or lead the world around what a standard, what the blockchain standard should be, which was massive. Uh, we have this small little you know, country called Australia that decided to, well, was given the opportunity to lead the world around how do we actually start to understand what blockchain technology and what the standard should be. So in Dublin, I think it was in late May, uh, some of the team presented the very first standard for smart contracts called TC307. Uh, we've seen our CSIRO Data61 take a significant lead. Uh, way back in about 18 months ago, they delivered two very important projects, two reports about digital, digital ledger technology, and that was under the leadership of Rob Hansen from Data61. And up till recently, Data61 have released another report called Blockchain 2030. Uh, where, is, you know, where is this innovation going to be in Australia? And the Australian Computer Society just released another uh, really important publication around the five challenges facing Australia for the adoption of technology. We also have the Parliamentary Friends of Blockchain, led by Senator Jane Hume, which was put together by the Australian Digital Commerce Association, which I'm the director of. Uh, which has been around for the last five years, working with government to take the double GST off the Bitcoin, uh, to actually impose self-regulation for cryptocurrency exchanges to ensure that the KYC and the AML is being adhered to. So all of this work has been going on um, in quite a quiet way, I, I can imagine. A lot of people in Australia might not know that there's been this significant community that have been working very hard to have a conversation with government to create a warm environment for startups and emerging for this emerging technology to actually have an impact in this country. Because we're very mindful on just the rate that this has moved. And we don't want to be importers of this technology. We want to be able to be world leading and export. And the only way we can do that is getting a, an agreement, a national conversation underway. So prior to the federal election, we had a, a conference in, in Adelaide and the minister, uh, Karen Andrews, uh, she actually announced that there was going to be a national conversation to build a national strategic framework for blockchain technology, uh, which we're very, very excited about. I think we can't have state governments doing arbitrage and wanting to solve their own challenges around digital identity. We have to have this as a national conversation. And as from today, where we're sitting today, uh, there's now a push to develop a CRC for blockchain technology in Australia. A CRC is a cooperative research centre whereby industry come together with government and universities to start to put together a really robust R&D portfolio to understand and solve problems that the verticals or the industry sector are actually challenged with right now. That's been going on for the last three years, and, I and that's not even about the, uh, the amazing startups that we have, like Everledger and Powerledger and AgriDigital and ourselves and uh, TV Shore and all the other amazing humans that I know across this country that are getting there and trying to um, find, you know, look for ways of how this technology can create a better future for Australia. Okay, so 
very clearly from that overview, Katrina, and thank you for that. Um, for those that may be out there thinking this is just some sort of skunk works you know, project in the garage, um, at at least, at least from Australia's perspective, absolutely not. I mean, what, what you, and I mean the collective you as in your community, government supply side, you know, third sector, what you've been able to achieve in 36 months, you know, or thereabouts, um, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, let me, let me, bring this back to a city if I can for a moment, you know, we, we, we try and where we can um, sort of have these interviews on the Chronicles, you know, through mm. the lens of, sort of a, a city perspective. Yep. So the hypothetical is Katrina, I'm the CEO for a city. Um, why should I be interested in this? You know, maybe, start with, you know, some of, you know, the top three benefits mm. or values for a municipality, you know, why should I as the CEO pay attention to this and, uh, and be interested? Yeah, in well, I think there's three reasons and I have to declare I worked in local government for, for eight years. So I sort of feel, <laughs> I remember the pain of what work yes. was like working local government. Look, I think the challenges for government or most municipal councils everywhere is customer expectation for a digital experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our, these things called mobiles in our hands. We want this ubiquitous experience. We want governments just to deliver and get out of the way. That's one of the biggest challenges about, uh, you know, quick service delivery. The other thing is about data, knowing your customer. What is the data actually telling us about the customer? But how are we actually making sure that the data is correct and secure? And, and how are we actually using that data to get good analytics to, 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 to drive better public policy? And the last thing is about transparency of governance. Um, I think we are in a world of low trust with governance, with government and governance. Um, and those are the three things that are, are really quite on topic when we think beyond even Australia. Uh, trust, transparency, data. And we see that on a daily basis, whether it be data breaches, uh, monetization by third parties of your own personal data, or actually not getting the services that you want when you want them. And then the rising cost. How do you actually offset cost with uh, generating revenue? Because nobody wants to introduce more taxes. Uh, um, and I think the biggest one that we're the elephant in the room is, is the future of work. Mm. Uh, we will be needing data scientists, uh, philosophers, ethicists, you know, people that don't really are seen as important in municipal environments at this point in time. You mentioned a couple of really interesting words in there, Katrina, um, transparency, trust. Um, Absolutely, you're correct in saying that level of trust within our public institutions and other institutions mm. is, is at an all-time low. I'm, I'm really getting the feeling, and I'd like your views on this, I'm really getting the feeling that um, we're, we're, we're about to enter a period um, where transparency is king and, and, and trust is really the oil of the new economy. Um, you know, there's just a whole range of, and I'm just talking about Australia at the moment. You know, mm. there's a whole range of issues around, you know, you know, corruption and uh, lack of transparency in in, in budgeting and, and mm. 
taxpayers' money, uh, and of course, lack of accountability uh, mm. and, and outcomes. Um, trust and transparency um, is, is is sort of a key underpinning of of the blockchain idea. Yes. Um, what? Yes, there's the technologies. There's the real geeky technical part of blockchain, yeah, but but you know that real uh, that real outcomes driven sort of meaningful authentic part of it is around trust and transparency. What what are the types of conversations that you and your community have ar- around that? And you know maybe you know when I look at the 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 interest that you're getting from the Australian government the 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 investment in standardization mm. is that an authentic investment and interest from that trust and transparency perspective um i think you have to ask the question about when we when we sit down and talk with organizations and we talk about trust and transparency we always ask them what is their understanding of transparency how comfortable are they with transparency mm. And that starts to get them a little bit, you know, they stop and think about that because the challenge for us too is that blockchain's gone through a massive hype cycle when we think about the cryptocurrency and now obviously Bitcoin and the cryptocurrencies are now going on another surge at the moment. That's when we see more people come to our meetups, which makes us <laughs> um, yeah. hey, hey, Katrina, I'm getting some, some oh, background noise on your microphone there. Sorry. Sorry. Um, that, that's it. Yep. Uh, so... You have to really be pragmatic with this technology because it solves really big problems. So it's not about saying, look, when we put a blockchain here and this is going to solve a problem, you have to fundamentally ask yourself, particularly municipal councils, what business are you going to be in in the future? And really the business that they're in is underpinned by data. Mm. And data will actually drive the way that they will design public policy and new service delivery. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is government as a platform. Now, government as a platform has been around for about the last 10 years, but it really didn't really meet its potential. But now what we see with emerging technologies such as Internet uh, internet things and AI, machine learning, all of those elements are, are seeped in data and how we program that data to get better insights or analytics so we can do better service delivery. So it's not a case of sitting down and saying, Look, can we can we can we put blockchain somewhere? And we always go, well, what problem are you needing to solve? And then they have to think about that. And then we say, well, the problem that you want to solve doesn't exist today. It's actually going to be a future problem. So, how is the technology going to help you position your business models for the future? Because you've got to remember too that the technology is still emerging. When we think about the internet, the internet had its thirtieth birthday this week, and we think about the the entire journey that the internet has been on, we seem to forget that with blockchain. We seem to get really impatient and we want it to be all ready to go now. Mm. We think, come on, it's been, you know, 10 years. Surely we should have some, some, you know, well commercialized, developed blockchain that we can just tap into. Well, the answer is really, well, not yet. And I think that's the question that cities have to think about is that when they look at blockchain technology, they have to think about it as, a technology that will transform the way they do their business. So they can't be thinking about what they do today. They have to be thinking, what will we look like in the future? And where is blockchain going to be as part of that journey? Because it's a foundational technology. Um, It's not the only solution. And that's what we have to keep on impressing. 
blockchain is only one tool in the kit and it may not suit, but it's about how do you actually ask uh, its relevance into the problem that you're solving. Katrina, where does a city go if they want to hang out around fellow blockchain nerds? And learn, uh, and learn more. They need to just open their door because we're just right next to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're it, in Adelaide Street. <laughs> it, 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 is, is, is there a place where there's good structured dialogue? And, and No. Oh, look, I, I de- it depends. I think every city is different and I don't want to sort of lock everyone down and say, mm. well, this is my experience. I think we're seeing cities across the world acting differently, whether it be providing uh, the safe space through sandboxes and incubation, uh, putting problems out to the startup community and asking them to come and co-op, collaborate with them and help solving. There's many, many ways to do it. But I think the opportunity is for them to open their doors and not think that they can actually solve everything themselves mm. and not be afraid to, 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 to use such techniques such as Agile and quickly iterate, but also be mindful that this doesn't cost a lot of money. And I think that's a lot of the fear factors that this is going to cost, you know, trillions of dollars to actually start exploring with the technology where it's not actually the case. But as I keep going back to uh, with, with cities and councils and all that sort of stuff, it's like how comfortable are you being transparent? Because if you're not, then is this the right technology for you? For example, because blockchain technology records and creates a ledger of a transaction, it makes it immutable and it's called a pend only and it gives it a timestamp and a date stamp. If a customer is having a transaction with government, then that transaction is, is discoverable in the context of which the rules say of the technology. So you'll actually understand the time that that transaction happened, who was involved in that transaction, and how much did it actually cost? This is, so, sorry to interrupt, Katrina, but this is a whole new level of transparency, right? It is. So when you think about building budgets, so when I worked in, in, in one of our biggest councils, I worked in the finance area. So I got to see the way budgets were built. And now I know what this technology can do. It actually takes the guess game out of building budgets. Because you're actually building a budget on the basis of an actual transaction that you can actually verify and measure and then determine the true cost to serve and the impact. So you start to build really quite transparent budgets that uh, become much more engaging or, or, or trustworthy to the ratepayers or the customers of the city, but also gives confidence to the elected members that they're, they're, what they're actually putting down as a budget actually is, uh, is true or correct. And then the customer or the ratepayer can query that by saying, I can see how much you spent on that particular program and, and, and start to gauge a lot more um, activated uh, conversation with, with government. Can, can, I, can I just riff with you for a moment? Yeah, little, a, a, a little popcorn session. Work with me. Um, on you know the question is what what would be the attributes of you know a, a blockchain ready organization Lo- local government okay well throw, throw, throw some sort okay. of things at me well, that, that would represent okay. readiness we would see we would see like if, if we had a government that was 
blockchain engage or, or, or using the platform. I, I mean, we can actually sort of point to Estonia, but I won't go down that rabbit hole because that is an extraordinary story. I'll come back to where we are now. But really it's about government as an operating system where governments set the rules and the standards to which how data is to be collected, uh, how it can be shared and who can have what. Because we all sit on registries. When we think about the moment we're born to the moment we die and everything in between, we land on a registry of some point. And on that registry is a authentication piece or a credential piece that tells the government that we are a reasonable person and we have the, uh, we've gone through the roles of actually being able to uh, access that right permit or, or, or um, condition. For example, the right to drive, the right to camp, the right to develop your house or develop property. Everything sits on a register and everything is linked to a rule or a standard or a law. But imagine if government are able to code out those laws, digitise assets such as permits, rights and those sort of things, and also make those registries immutable but allow the data, because the data is secure, allow it to be taken to the edge whereby industry or startups or organisations are able to take that data and deliver services better. This means that government are able to reduce cost to serve. They become a lot more uh, faster and efficient. They reduce their uh, requirements in terms of transaction fees. Auditing is basically gone. But what happens is that the, uh, it creates innovation. Uh, and it enables citizens to actually self-manage their relationship and their transactions with government rather than the other way around. So it starts to completely change the relationship in that transaction. Uh, it becomes transparent, it becomes more efficient and faster, but you also always get the provenance of where that transaction originated from. So you're able to query uh, about where who's transacting with who. There is Another, I guess there's a whole conversation around privacy and all that sort of stuff and security, but that's probably for another podcast. But blockchain does bring in security and it does bring in privacy. It allows you to start creating digital identities that uh, you don't need to give away your full identity to actually access services. Katrina, uh, is this 10 years away or two weeks away or? Uh, well, it, <laughs> well it, it can, we can start now. It just requires, it requires a little bit of leadership. Mm. It requires a little bit of courage to say, you know, we need to understand this technology. Let's not just assume that it's associated with cryptocurrency and therefore it's nefarious and you've got bad actors. We mm. get bad actors anyway with cash. Yeah. Um, it's really about being curious and saying we can't data is one of the most important things that we have going forward and at the moment data sits in silos it sits in different government departments and has to be rekeyed over and over and over again every time the data is touched there's human error mm. there's friction and there's cost so we have to ask ourselves can we continue as as government to do to keep working like this and the answer is no, because we're just going to run out of money. Mm. So we've got to start to ask ourselves, how do we start doing things differently? I think we understand the why. It's yeah. about the how and the when and the what. 
Okay. And I know in this country we have an enormous amount of talent through our startup community that can work with government today or industry sectors in their specialist verticals today to start answering those questions. Okay, well, let, let's let's do a little quick hypothetical there. So I am the CEO of the City of Adam. Um, oh, okay. I, I, I come to you. So... Katrina, I want to dip my toe in the water with blockchain. Um, I think it's good. Um, I, I'm after a low-risk, mm-hmm. low-hanging fruit, easy mm-hmm. on-ramp into blockchain yes. for my municipality. Is there a use yes. case that you'd recommend? Yes. Yes, yes I would. <laughs> what is it? Parking. Parking. As in parking. car parking. As in metered, metering, metered car parking. Uh-huh. And the reason why is because governments, local governments, spend an awful lot of money around compliance and regulation on metered parking. And it all comes down to the most important thing called a date stamp and a time stamp. And when there is a disagreement on the date stamp or the time stamp of something happening, then you get that, that accusation that the person who parked the car has breached the rules to which they are agreed in terms of contract and their council has to, will set them a fine. But if that person wants to contest that, they have no proof, verifiable proof that is uh, basically objective, not subjective, because you've got to remember too, is that council are the ones that have the meters. Therefore, they're the ones who have the data. Uh, it's not actually being, you know, it's not put on an immutable record that is not inside the bowels, I guess, of council. So you then spend a lot of time writing letters and I know this is what will happen because what usually happens is when a person says, no, I'm not going to pay the fine because I disagree with the actual uh, ticket itself. I actually was there for the right time. Then a letter, that letter goes into council or into government and then some poor person has to write a briefing note or write the letter back to the person and say, sorry, but our records state that you were there. We, you need to pay the fine. And then the person will write back and says, no, I'm not. And this goes argy-bargy, back and forth, back and forth. And then more bureaucrats get involved. Then you have to write more briefing notes and more memorandums that goes right up the top through the executives, right up to the actual local member. And you think about all that time that is taken because a time and a date couldn't, or a time cannot be actually verified. The other thing too, so that's one example that mm-hmm. you can actually start to look at because when we look at parking, it's what we call real estate and everyone is vying for that real estate and it, because it becomes valuable at certain times of the market. So for example, you're, you're, in the off, you're in the city right now, all the parking is quite high real estate. But when it's on the weekends, it's not because there's hardly body people in the city or people don't want to use the car parks. So how does council optimise that real estate? How do they get really good optimization? So this is where marketplaces come into play. We can code the rules to which how parking can be used within certain districts. We can code who can actually have access to those, uh, to those, uh, to those car parks. And then what we can do is create marketplaces that if a person wants to, um, this is really around, um, residential parking now where you get visitors coming to visit you and your residential parking, you get permits and things like that. Those things can go into marketplaces for residents to actually go into market together and actually sell or trade their rights. At the moment that you can actually go into Facebook and do things like that. The government lose 
the chain of custody around those assets. And therefore, they lose revenue and they don't know who's trading with who or who's got what. Blockchain technology opens that up, gives transparency, but also creates efficiency because you don't need so many people on the ground who are actually going and checking that people aren't doing the right thing. It actually creates this automatic marketplace whereby you're getting data in real time and you're actually auditing uh, where things are at. So it starts to change your whole regulatory and compliance uh, framework in government because if you look at most of local government, it's all about compliance and regulation. Mm. Um, Katrina, I want to pivot for our last few questions, uh, you know, to, to bring this down to, to more of a personal level. Can, can you... Can you share with us what you've learned along the way? You know, we're living in a digital world. There's data everywhere, tech, startup. It's just a very, you know, rapidly evolving world. What have you learned over the last couple of years and what you're doing? Yeah, I think you are right. It's, it's moving at such a fast pace, um, such a fast pace. I think what we're learning is, and I guess I, get, I do get to travel quite a bit. I just returned from London Tech Week as part of the Advanced Queensland Female Founders Program where I was one of eight women who were, were privileged enough to travel to London uh, to experience that the, you know, what was going on around Tech Nation over there. And it's quite a mind-blowing experience because you realise just how important knowledge knowledge as an economy is critical for uh, sustainability of nations. And I think that's one of the things I notice quite a lot when I travel, uh, whether through Austrade uh, or through Advanced Queensland, is just how many nations who I travel to take knowledge and data very seriously. They are very serious about uh, building a whole future work um, base of of people who understand technology, uh, who are encouraged and incentivized to learn because we're going to have a skill gap in our country and we're going to have a massive problem when that happens. So, oh, are, are you, sorry to interrupt, but... No, That's right. Is, just while we're talking about the global perspective and where Australia sits in our future, I mean, are we, do, do you feel confident or concerned? Very concerned. Yeah. Very concerned. Yeah, and I yeah. think because we just, I think one of the things I learned when I was over in London uh, for Tech Week is that they, they consider this as a nation yeah. challenge. It's mm. a national challenge. You don't see, you don't see the cities, are, you know, barging up against each other and say, we're going to, we're going to, you know, take all your developers or we're going to have better startup programs than you. They're going to, they actually work collectively together because they know they have to. Mm. Um, because they know that knowledge and the knowledge economy is going to be the future. The way we solve problems through knowledge and technology is going to be fundamentally critical to how you are going to export for the future. If we understand that resources and all that sort of stuff have been our backdrop as a country, as a nation, for, for as long as we remember. But we need to get, we, as we always say, we have this thing like where we feel like we're just on this barbecue in Australia we feel like it's all going to be just okay and it's not we really have to hustle and the only way we can do that is by government industry and knowledge centers coming together and actually agreeing that we have to put money into this 
We have to invest in this technology. Last, you know, the only money that's been invested in blockchain technology in this nation was when we actually had the 2017, 2018, 2019 budget where $700,000 was put aside to explore the potential of blockchain technology in government, where artificial intelligence got $29 million. Wow, okay. So, so this yeah. is the disconnect. You need mm. blockchain to actually secure the data that artificial intelligence is going to use to do all of that work. You can't have them without the other. Yeah. And so we get really quite frustrated or quite, quite yeah, frustrated that we are seeing the world investing significantly in emerging technology and putting themselves open to exploring the tech. But we're just sort of seeing that it's starting to happen here in Australia, but we're still just, you know, we're very enamoured with fintech and that's interesting. That's payment systems and invoices and remittance and all that sort of stuff. But we're only a country of 24 million people. Mm. Um, and we have to start to step up and say we need to be investing in innovation and knowledge economy because if not, uh, we're going to be quite left behind. And that really quite that that's scary for me as as a as a company in this space, but also seeing how things are working globally. Yeah. Okay. So final question, and let's let's turn that frown upside down. <laughs> um, so tell me what you're really excited about in terms of the next twelve or twenty four months. What, what what what's coming up that you're going to be involved in, or you're hearing about, or whatever it might be, a pet project? What, what, what's, what's really well, exciting you about well, you know, I, a year or two ahead? Well I, well, I am excited that we are, that as an as a, as a industry and the universities, we are coming together and, and now focusing very clearly that we need to develop a CRC of blockchain technology in this country. Mm. The reason why is because we need to actually be solvers of problems that impact on industry and sector. Like, yeah, there's just so many things that blockchain technology leaves a lot of industry asking questions about how all this stuff works and should they be caring about it. So that's a really uh, amazing opportunity. We're all heading to Sydney on Wednesday to, to come together and start putting together the frameworks and then that will be announced at APAC Blockchain Conference in July. Um, I'm excited for that because I think that's going to have finally start the national conversation. I'm excited about what the uh, Australia Stock Exchange is doing. I think what they're doing is needs to be understood a lot clearer by industry. They're starting to see themselves as a technology company. Uh, and I think that is a massive uh, signal to all industry, big industry, big whatever, resource sectors, whatever, that if you've got one of the oldest, you know, monetary exchanges of shares in this country saying, you know what, we actually are now a technology company and what does that look like? Mm. That's extremely exciting. Um, I'm excited for, obviously, you know, if we do have this national conversation around a blockchain strategy, I think that's going to be fantastic. Um, I'm also excited to see what our universities are starting to do. Uh, they're starting to really reach out to industry and want to collaborate, which is amazing. Um, um, I guess, yeah, I, I guess I can feel that things are starting to change, but I just wish that, yeah, I just, 
and would like it to happen a lot for, faster. And I, and I think we need to have much more leadership. There's no more, there's no more excuse to sit on the sidelines and say, look, we just don't know what this technology is. There is so much literature out there. There is so much stuff on YouTube. There is so much out there in the community that you can't sit on the sidelines and say, I just don't know what this is and I don't really care. You have to know what it is and you do have to start to care. I, uh, I totally agree. And you've given us some great uh, insights and, and use cases in, in this conversation, Katrina. Um, we've, got a, uh, we've got a pull-up stumps there. Um, my guest has been um, Katrina Donaghy, Chief Executive Officer of, uh, of Civic Ledger. Go check them out. Uh, doing great work uh, with, with blockchain. Katrina, it's been a delight to uh, speak to you today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Adam. I really appreciate it. And also, I just wanted just to, uh, my last bit, just to say thank you to Advanced Queensland for funding for uh, eight female funders to, to attend London Tech Week and also the wonderful the work that they're now undertaking to support female founders in technology in Queensland. Absolutely. Hats off to Advanced Queensland. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Um, and for our listeners, uh, if you're not subscribing to the Smart Cities Chronicles podcast, you can do through you can do so through those usual platforms like Apple and Spotify, and others. Uh, you can also head to our website, smartcitieschronicles.com, uh, an email, share some thoughts, a question. Uh, we welcome feedback all the time. You can email us at the following email address, which is chronicles at anz smartcitiescouncil.com. My name is Adam Beck, your host of the Smart Cities Chronicles. Uh, another, uh, another episode in the bag uh, featuring one of uh, the many amazing uh, leading technology, smart cities, digital transformation um, companies that are going to be featured at the Asia Pacific Cities Summit coming up just around the corner, 7th to the 10th of July in Brisbane. The website for further information, apcsummit.org is where you can get further information. Uh, we hope you have a, uh, a great day uh, and an incredible week. We look forward to speaking to you.